Welcome to the wrap up for the month of December 2023, which is kind of weird to say now. Uh, here we are for your monthly blast of cold takes on the world of professional wrestling. Available everywhere, good podcast sold. I am the intrepid traveler, Mark Robinson. With me, as always, the editor over at the Wrestling Observer. He is Brian Rose. Brian, happy 2024. Um, I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you had a good New Year's. I hope you had a good 2023 in general. Uh, we are 11 days into the new year. How are things going for you so far? Everything's going great. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, pro wrestling, just a lot. Of... Like 400 hours worth of pro wrestling in the first 11 days alone. Yeah, and then there's going to be like another 400 on Saturday alone. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, always so much going on. It's, it's really become this thing in Japan where kind of like we have the whole... Uh, sort of Wrestlemania weekend and how all the companies have kind of come together over that weekend it really has become the same thing in Japan now and I kind of look forward to it because I typically have a break of about a week or two um, over the Christmas period where I just don't really get to watch much wrestling so come the start of the year I'm ready to go um, between you know all Japan's big show new Japan's big show obviously Wrestle Kingdom I, I kind of actually look forward to it because I get that little break in between Yeah, um, that's just so. I, I'm just. I just keep thinking about how much wrestling there is. Uh, there's and there's always like Wrestle Kingdom. There's there's a lot of shows around that date. I know. I actually, watched Stardom. Uh, the top three shows uh, matches from that show. That was really good stuff. Why well, you really branching out a little bit, aren't you? A little bit, because <laughs> uh, the Brian and Vinny show covered it, so I kind of went and oh, watched okay. it. Okay, they're really branching out then, Jesus. Yeah, it's Japan month for them. I guess, so. I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't listened to Brian and Vinny in, in some time now. And I, I guess I'm kind of curious, like, because I I haven't really listened to them sort of in a post-AEW world. So I, I do kind of yeah. wonder, like, where they are in terms of what they're watching and, and how much they see outside of, you know, WWE and Tuesday. AEW. Tuesdays, they, they, well, the thing was that they were watching NWA TNA from the start, and then they got oh, into like week twenty, and we were like, "Okay, we give up." <laughs> so now they started to do a potpourri kind of thing on Tuesdays. Uh, last month was world class because of the Iron Claw. Sure. So uh, this month it's Japan month, and they covered Wrestle Kingdom, and they covered uh, Wrestle Kingdom two thousand twenty-three, and I have no idea what they're covering next week. So. We'll see. We'll see what they come up with. Hmm. Have you seen the Iron Claw yet? Because uh, like for us, it's not available. Um, we're we're getting it in February is when it'll be available here. I have not, but everything I have heard is that as a movie, it's good. But if you're going in thinking about like the, if this is going to be historically accurate or not, and of course there's accurate things in the movie, but like. If you're going in there expecting like a 100% accurate movie, it's probably not going to be no. your thing. <laughs> because after all, they, they got they, they cut one brother from the film. They cut yeah. Chris Von Eric from the film. So it's... I haven't watched it. I'm, I'm planning to eventually, but uh, I hear it's good. I don't know if it's going to get any awards. I think by now they... It, they didn't get any Golden Globe awards. They didn't get any of that. So I don't think they're gonna get any like big Oscar awards. But I know that they were that there was talks about them possibly being nominated. So 
It's, it's, I mean, Jeremy, it's pretty good. Jeremy Allen White's already got his award for the best, so he's yeah. he's good. He's he's cushy. Yeah, for, the thing with with idea. that is, I kind of find it jarring because, like, Carrie Von Eric was the one that was the big one, and then Zach Efron is playing Kevin Von Eric, who and Zach Efron looks incredibly jacked if you've seen him in that movie. I've seen clips. You you yeah. would think he would be playing Carrie, but he's not. He, and then the other guy, uh, White, he's playing Carrie, and White isn't as big as Efron. Not even close. So it's no, kind of like to be honest, weird. To be honest, weird Efron has, has kind of been jacked for a good few years now. That's true. And, but I just um, remember seeing clips of, of him uh, playing Kim Von Eric, and it's just insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's... super jacked up. I don't think I've seen someone be that fucking hench, like, probably since one of the many Wolverine portrayals by Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Um, like, he's insane in... Uh, I'm he trying to think which one in particular. Movies. But, yeah, I think it was, like, X-Men 2. I think it's the bit where he, like, kind of comes out of the, the like, cryogenic thing or whatever he's in, yeah. and it's just like, whoa, someone's <laughs> been eating their steak and eggs. Yeah, yeah, I I do remember he he looked jacked in those movies too. I don't know if he is for Deadpool three. I think he he's wearing like the suit from like the cartoon. Yeah, like a suit similar to the cartoon. So I don't know if I'm I'm sure he's in awesome shape, but like, yeah, I remember in the other movies where he was just completely yeah. jacked. I I get the feeling he doesn't exactly you know kind of like scarf himself on donuts between films. I'm sure that oh. guy is always keeping himself in <laughs> fairly good condition. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Anyway, let's uh, move on. Someone who wasn't in particularly good condition uh, was MJF. Um, oh, he's all banged up. He is all banged up. Uh, so World's End occurred on the December the 30th, and I guess we can kind of like smash together the Continental Classic and World's End because we did have the yeah. the finals of the Continental Classic uh, with Eddie Kingston winning the Continental Crown. And I want to check with you, the Continental Crown, uh-huh. it's not an actual, like, uh, triple crown belt where all three belts are being defended. As far as I can see, and as far as I think as they've kind of explained, correct me if I'm wrong, they're still three individual belts, and they didn't actually merge these three together. Which would be funny, because that's exactly what Tony Khan was defending when he announced this, saying, well, we're, we're consolidating titles. But it doesn't make any sense, because you're adding a brand new title... To add to two other tiles that already exist, it's, it's all confusing to me. I I don't know what they're doing at this point with that title. I And on I, top of that, that's four male singles titles they have in AEW. Yeah, well, like, why do we need another title? You already have we the don't. TNT title. You already have the intercontinental international title. And now you're adding a continental title. It's like, why? Why? You have like mm-hmm. forty other titles, including mm-hmm. the Ring of Honor titles. It's it's just silly. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of that um, that promotion in the early nineties, uh, UWF. Not, not about who was the uh, Herb Abrams, Herb Abrams UWF in the early nineties, where they had like one pay per view, and every title, every match was like a title match. Like eight or nine titles. It's like, why do you want? If you want to make these titles feel important, why does every match have to be a title match? It it doesn't. 
Yeah. It's just it's just weird. It, it's it's weird to have so many titles. I I don't and, get it. And the thing is, like the the Continental Classic as a whole, uh, I I you know I, I think most people would look at it and say it was a success. Both in terms of the in-ring action, in terms of the yeah. like logical storytelling that was done throughout the tournament, um, and also just in terms of like the the ratings as well, it wasn't like a blowaway smash, but no. the the ratings week upon week were improving, and the quarter hours for those matches in particular were really strong. But you still can look at it as a whole and look at some kind of big failings on the the case of t- Tony Khan. A in terms of like. The way that this thing was put together felt quite hastily rushed in terms of the communication, in terms of how the matches would work, in terms of like what would happen in the tiebreaker. All that kind of stuff sort of came together as and when was needed. And then there is just obviously this big issue as well. It's like, all right, you've put these three titles together, but they're not actually merged. So technically, on top of like having four singles titles, you've still got the New Japan Strong and the Ring of Honor World title as yeah. singles titles as well. And it's just it's just kind of maddening, and it's like, why would you have not? You know, like obviously and this then, depends and then on he what. Introduced a, a women's television title in Ring of Honor. Yes. Because <laughs> because ah. the the why? AEW why? slash Ring of Honor women's roster is so stacked that it record that also requires between the two companies four separate singles women's titles. Yeah. It's... Like yeah. I'm not going to to slander the Ring of Honor women's division because Athena and Blaze Starks had a lot of great stuff, and we're going to talk about that later at Final Battle. But like, I don't know. Like, like there's just too many titles, and then you're introducing another one. Yep. Like I know they introduced two in the last month, and it's like I. I like, if you're going to introduce another women's title, I think you would need to do a tag team title. I think that would be beneficial. But that's about it. Like, you don't need a television title. You don't need a... Really, you don't really need a TBS title either. I think you're just fine with a AEW Women's Championship and an AEW Women's Tag Team Championship and then go off from there. But no, there, there's, there's too many titles. Too, yeah, so as, too many titles to care about. As much as as much as AEW has improved, I, I think it was last month, so maybe the month before, where uh, we were pretty down on the product. Um, I didn't it think does... World's End was that great. It... I, I I thought it was one of the weaker pay per views they put out. The pay per view itself wasn't that great, but I think the company as a whole and the product as a whole has been at least consistently better and i think the television over the last couple of weeks has been like solid as well Kinda. hasn't been hasn't been like you know uh the the kind of best the company has ever been yeah. but if you're grading on the curve of where they were kind of post all in wembley it has been an improvement uh, um, a little bit now that the double storyline you... is over i think the television's a lot better yeah <laughs> undoubtedly <laughs> so let's just jump straight to that right so world's end the main event MJF uh, loses to Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, the big reveal of the devil uh, was that it was Adam Cole all along, which naturally uh, raised... We all, assumed a n- that. we all assumed it, but obviously it came with a number of questions of, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense for a number of reasons. Um, crucially being, 
Adam Cole, why didn't you just try and win the belt at All In? MJF was literally giving you the title. You could have taken it, smacked him over the head, and we could have all not wasted the last four or five months of, of, of uh, television. Um, find the whole kind of ruse with like Roderick, Roderick Strong um, trying to kind of paint MJF as the, the bad guy um, and everything around that. Um, uh, just and like you know Wardlow saying he's coming for MJF, so it's like okay, well yeah, sure. I guess he would be part of the Devil's cronies as well. But again, you know, not that much of a surprise there, really. No. Um, just just from kind of beginning to end, this whole Devil storyline has not been great. Um, probably one of the worst things AEW has done up to this point. Like they did a long-term story with the hopes that you'd get into it but the problem is they were so slow in doing the execution of the storyline by the time they finally started to do stuff it was like i don't really care for this i don't really care for the, the messages on the screen the the, the attacks backstage that i n- none of the hype really int- caught my interest it just nothing worked for me and then by the time you did the reveal it's like yeah i already know that that's not surprise i'm not surprised that adam cole's the one behind this because you've been telling me for the last several months that um that that you know roderick strong saying oh well it's obviously mjf and blah 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 and like yeah okay <laughs> it, 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 it never caught my interest to the level of where um, I would be like so excited to see where we go after this. It's like I didn't like the build, and now that they are here, it's like okay, the undisputed kingdom. I wonder where you got that name from. You know, yeah. Um, they're all great guys. I think they're all great in the ring. Um, but I don't know. Like, who are you going to feud with? Like, I like they claimed. Okay. The the Bullet Club Gold, okay. That doesn't strike me as like a great top tier feud, but if that's what you're going to, and, and also the question is, we're in, obviously the match that's going to it's going to come down to is MGF and Adam Cole, but when are you going to do that match? Because Adam Cole's out for who knows how long. Um, MGF is going to take a lot of time off and they're doing the Brian Pillman thing where they took him off the AEW website and it's like okay yeah I I, I didn't buy that the last time you tried to tease he wasn't there anymore I'm not going to buy it now the Brian Pillman stuff with MGF is just cringe at this point I, I, I can't get into it because nobody thinks it's real unless MGF shows up in WWE I'm just going to assume it's not it's just another pillman storyline he's trying to do this Um, this whole feud really like since all in wembley has been cursed like if they had done everything they did prior to all in and some of those skits were a bit hokey but it was still leading to this whole thing of like all right which one of these two is going to backstab each other at all in wembley and if they'd ended and i think we've you know mentioned this a number of times but if the feud had ended there or at least one of them had turned each other all in Wembley. Um, we would have had the, the last five um, five months as they were. Like you could yeah. probably have done the blow for one or two months later. They probably should have done thing, the turn at Wembley. This whole thing since August has been cursed. Not just both in terms yeah. of 
um, the actual kind of quality of the content. But the simple fact is that now both of them are injured and are out. You know, Cole still is on crutches. Um, so he's a good few months away. And God knows how long MJF is going to be out for. So I'm I, the one thing, because there was part of me in the back of my mind that was thinking like, is MJF going to beat Samoa Joe? Like, are we going to end up with MJF still as world champion? Um, I thought they but, would do. Uh, I thought. I thought Cole would directly involve himself in the match and and screw MJF, but they didn't really do that. And that was kind of like a flat finish. He just some. Well, I don't think he submitted, but he passed out. Yeah. Which was kind of like a flat finish to that crowd, and it kind of reminded me of like a WWE finish where the hometown hero loses. Like AEW never used to do that because they knew that that was a WWE trope. But now they're full into WWE tropes. Now all the hometown people are losing. It's like, really? Why? Nobody liked it when WWE did it. So why are you doing it now? I mean, it's I will strange. say, I like MJF kind of had to lose the belt he did. here just because, I, I think just because of the injury loss, and everything though. else. You know, I, I think in this this circumstance or in this point here. Um, I don't think it was like this intentional thing to make him lose in his hometown. It's just yeah. it's more the circumstances of where we're at. But I do concede that you you do make a point there as well. Um, as a whole, though, like where do you see this MJF title run? Because um, it went just over a year, and yeah. it started incredibly strong. You know, you think about the the match with Danielson, the the, the Iron Man match. Um, even though the build-up was a bit hokey, the the four-way at double or nothing was a, an incredible four-way match. And as as you know, stupid as certain aspects of the feud was, I was there live and I did enjoy the All in Wembley match. Like they got me into that at the end. Yeah. Um, but it does kind of feel that the last sort of three four months of this title run has just kind of left a really like. MJF was like the coolest wrestler. He was like the yeah. it wrestler in the industry. And then by the end of this title run, he just feels like a bit of a dork, you know? Kind of, yeah. Because he spent the last months of this feud, I mean, when you think about it, a lot of storyline with Adam Cole being his best friend, and they did a lot of ha-ha stuff, like going fishing and they find the big show in the water or going to a bar and getting drunk and then whatever, playing video games, stuff like that. It's very, it reminded me, I don't know if MGF himself uh, booked this kind of stuff or did this kind of stuff. But like to me, it's like, I still remember the full gear storyline where he got injured and he told Adam Cole to defend his title for him. And Tony Khan, even though... <laughs> Adam Cole is hobbling around with one leg that he puts him in the main event and it didn't make any sense at all. And it, it all felt like it was all so MGF could come out like Stone Cold Steve Austin, 1998 and, and, you know, come out in a truck and, and beat up the baby, the heel and win the day as a baby face. It, it all felt very WWE and it didn't feel like that before, Earlier in the year of two, of 2023, it felt like, I don't know, it just felt very wrong, especially towards the end where it's just too much humor, too much pandering to the crowd, too much, but, but, but the crowd was into it, so you could give him that, but like, 
you're right. MGF was a really hot character when he won the title, and I thought he should have won the title when when he did. But and the first few months were very good. The the match with Danielson is one of the best matches of last year. But towards the summer, once he started to do the Adam Cole stuff, it just started to get lame. I think that's the word. It started to get lame. It, and it they felt took like for, he... they took forever to get to the to the to the turn. And they yeah. should have probably did the turn in the summer. I think it would have come off better that way. Uh but just to and, and granted, you know, there's a lot of injuries, there's a lot of pushing back due to injuries and stuff like that, but the this devil storyline just took way too long to execute and it wasn't well thought out. And when it did when when it was time to finally go with the story the with the big reveal and to me i was just like i don't care just move on it, it, it felt like the last the last couple of months have felt like he was cosplaying the attitude era yeah um and what a lot of people don't remember and i went back and i was watching bits and pieces of the attitude era and obviously the crowds are you know insane and business was hot yeah but Man, so much of that era does not hold up, and it's fucking trash. I will always, I will always say, if it wasn't for Steve Austin and The Rock being the, these incredible, larger-than-life characters that made everything work, you didn't have a lot of stuff in the Attitude Era because a lot of that stuff is bad, 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 and a lot of those matches aren't that good either. It wasn't until Russo left that you actually had like competent matches in, in that. Uh, company but yeah i mean it, a lot of the attitude era was the rock and stone cold and they were given a lot of stuff that other people could not do and yep. once they left they gave the, the stuff that wwe liked to write for them they gave to other people and other people could not do it like john cena couldn't do the rock john cena had to be himself to get over and even if yep. for a long time people did not like him and yep. that's a whole other story but like um yeah it, it's it was the rock and stone cold and mgf is great he's great at being a heel he's really really good at, at interviews and being a, a real prick but once he did the face turn it just felt not genuine not it didn't feel like mgf and he, I think a lot of his stuff, he, he, and it's probably what he grew up watching, was The Rock and Stone Cold, and he wants to be The Rock and Stone Cold. The problem is, is that... He's not. He's not. Well, <laughs> Nobody can is, be The Rock, started, Nobody can be Stone Cold. He, he started MJF. off, like, the, the principle of what we know of MJF as a character was mid-80s Roddy Piper. And yeah. he can do that, and he—that's what got brought him to the dance. That's got, got him to where he is now. You're right, but it didn't feel like Roddy Piper either. No, it felt like MJF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but where with th- this, this, it, this face stuff—it feels yeah. like best of Attitude Era. Uh, well, worst of Attitude Era. Well, worst <laughs> of, but, but uh, of the the best of the Rock and Stone Cold, but you can't. Nobody can touch what they did. Yeah, because yeah. they somehow made it work, and nobody else could, as we just saw. Yeah. Um. So for the show itself, um, I guess the other thing, um, kind of outside of the company, um, the day or day, I think it was the day of, 
Um, there was the whole thing with Nick Hausman um, and Chris Jericho, and we're not going to get into the specifics of that. Um, but obviously, that kind of cast a weird shadow over this show, especially and that particularly, match. <laughs> particularly that match. I have not felt uncomfortable watching a match since I can't even think the the last time. Uh, where it's kind of like everyone's in the room and everyone kind of knows what's going on, but no one's saying anything. And as we've seen, obviously, like, they're pushing through. Jericho was on Dynamite this week. Um, and in some ways, I can understand. It's like, look, no actual allegation has come forward from anyone. So what are you going to take him off TV for? Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I don't know, it kind of leaves this kind of, like, just thing that has been kind of peeled off, but no one's kind of, like, fully ripping off that band-aid and going, like, look, here's what the situation is. Um, that, that's the thing AEW never does. Yeah. They never touch on that stuff. And even during that press conference, Tony Khan was asked three different times, has Chris Jericho ever been under investigation for these allegations? And that was a very simple yes or no answer. And the fact that he, he didn't want to answer that, that, that says a lot. I, I, I don't know what. And of course, these are all allegations. But I, it's a very weird situation. And it... it devolved into the the match that t took place at world's end where chris jericho was booed out of the building not at first because people popped when his music came on but then the music stopped and during the course of that match the boost just kept coming they kept getting louder and, and i think that threw everyone off because that match wasn't good at all no. a lot of people were not on the same page it just nothing looked good and yeah that was a disaster of a match um and i guess like just how how long is this going to go on for and like you've yeah. got the obvious issue being that you have this babyface team of chris jericho and sammy guevara who let's be quite honest sammy guevara as a babyface it's just not going to happen yeah that, that um, i didn't like either they they, they did the storyline where they did the big turn on him and jericho then he comes back a few months later, and the first thing he does is they, they he turns babyface. It's like, well, why why did you do the turn then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that, just... that for I kind of forgive them because it was another injury thing. Uh, Kenny Omega is out of action with diverticulitis, so they kind of needed a band aid somewhere, and they went with that. But still, it's a if you're looking at AEW storylines, that's really weak. And to be honest, you can always just drop that match and then come back to it. It's like, yeah. all right, Jericho's just not on the pay-per-view. You know, do something did, else. They, they, did, they did end up doing an eight-man tag match. So it's like you didn't need a tag match, tag title yeah. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we don't know anything more about that. Uh, you know, no allegations have concretely come forward. Um, and so I just, I, I worry that this is going to kind of trickle out for like the next few months and then just fizzle out and then that's the last we hear of it um but it can keeps this kind of continuing feeling just in the back of your head when you're watching a jericho match of like well nothing nothing's been cleared so i don't know what to feel i don't know how to approach yeah. this so you know that's a problem yeah the fact that nobody can even say whether there's even 
investigations investigations going on. That's it's not really good. Weird. No. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, Eddie Kingston won the Continental Classic, beating John Moxley in the finals. Um, I thought this was a solid enough match. Um, I think these I two have had better before. Yeah, I don't think this was like the best match in the tournament, but it was a really good no. match. It was one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, Eddie yeah, Kingston for sure. winning was one of the highlights of the show. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, they did the right thing. Eddie had to do the kind of come behind in the tournament to yeah. get to this point. Um, I think his backstage promos were tremendous. Um, he is one of the just the most kind of real believable promos in wrestling. Um, oh, yeah. Beating Moxley in the finals is is was a really nice touch. Um, I... I, I feel like maybe him and Danielson in the finals would have probably had a had a more I feel like Danielson knows how to kind of work in a way towards the audience in a way well like Moxley is just kind of full steam ahead, you know, yeah. kind of tunnel vision in his approach where Danielson's a little bit more I don't want to say smart because I don't wanna um like just kind of throw off that Moxley isn't. But yeah, I think just more calculated and, and knows how to kind of, you know, in the way that he approached the match with with uh, uh, Kingston, you know, Danielson didn't go heel, but he obviously was the heel in that match. It's kind of yeah. like you watch a Tanahashi match and he knows like sometimes that for whatever reason, if he's against like an Ishii or whoever it may be, Tanahashi well, knows when to... A lot of New to... Japan guys like to work that style where... Okada is someone I think of too where if he's working against an Ishii or if Tanahashi works against Ishii they're going to go they're going to work heel. Yeah. And it's but it's just for that match and yeah, it's not you know fucking comic it's not comic book villain going to use a chair and whatnot it's just being smug being yeah. like look I'm fucking better than you fuck you. Um and there's there is a way to do that and Danielson understands that and then I think that that really worked for him and uh, Kingston in a way that didn't quite you know Moxley was badgering him before saying like look you're you're weak you're going to fail um but I don't think that played into the match as much but still enjoyable still a very good tournament um I think there's enough here that they should come back to this every year I think that they need to kind of really lock down what the fuck is going on with these three belts um, because if we have four singles titles for the rest of 2024, uh, just we've had that conversation. So just do a gimmick in AEW like with Ultimo Dragon did in the 1990s with the OCW, where they, they everyone just uh, or they pick someone like Eddie Kingston and he just wins six different titles, just carries them. Like if you have that Pretty many much. titles, if you have that many titles in your company, just do the Ultimo Dragon storyline or something. Go yeah. seven and break that record. I would have, um, I would have liked if the Continental Classic had had like one truly like epic great match. I think it had a lot of very good matches, um, but I didn't have other than the Kingston Danielson, which I went four and a half on. Um, I had no other uh, like match in the tournament go above like four and a quarter, and like I've got quite a few matches that are four stars and four and a quarter. So, you know, that's There's nothing to kind of complain stuff. about. The Kingston and Danielson match in the. F- that Wednesday was really good. Yeah, the oh, the Claudio good. and Danielson match was was, really, was really really good. good. Um, I really liked the Jay White Moxley match. I, I loved how that match was put together. Um, Claudio the and Brody King had a really good match. 
Yep, yep. The Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal match, uh, yeah. I think, you know, that's like, in terms of like, hey, how do you put a match together with two participants who are already eliminated? And, you know, that was the, the just a, such a smart match to put together for that point in time. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that the tournament was a success. Obviously, yeah. you know, it doesn't kind of scratch anywhere near the best G1s, but it doesn't no. need to. You just need to it kind of set the template and go from there. been better than this last year's G1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot shorter, at least, anyway. I have some thoughts on New Japan when we go to Wrestle Kingdom next month. All right, okay. I look forward to it. Um, Adam Copeland defeated Christian Cage for the TNT title and then quickly lost it back to Christian Cage. Uh, I, this was this was a ton of fun. This was a tremendous yeah. little brawl between these two. I like the match. I did not like the finish. No. Uh, because it was, I, I, again, I it was right out of WWE. There, I think this was the match where I'm like, there's way too many Money in the Bank type things because NXT now has two of them. WWE saw as well with Damian Priest where they tease him cashing in every week, then he doesn't. Now AEW had one. And uh, it's just way too much. I, You need maybe like two of those a year at most. And now NXT has them, and now AEW has one. It's like, I'm good on that step. I don't need to see that step to get heat, you know? And now I think I, I thought that this was going to build towards another match, but now it seems like they're, they're not doing another match. Uh, I'm sure they'll probably come back to it in some form or fashion probably. at some point. Um, yeah, I, I think this is just one of those cases where... Because um, I'm sure that both of these, considering their position and their experience, probably have had a lot of say in this storyline. Yeah, And you can see trappings of it that have that sports entertainment feel to it, but these two are smart enough the to not make it The match itself was really good. Probably yeah, the best absolutely. match on the show. Um, but I definitely think it's that kind of sports entertainment peeled part of their brains where they're like, oh, let's have like Adam win, but then have Cage win it back straight yeah. away. And look, it does continue to build heat on Christian Cage. Because you I know him and point... Killswitch are going to do the big tour. Killswitch is going to do the big turn eventually. Yeah, yeah. Probably um, by Revolution. Uh, but I don't think it has like the same kind of level of, of emotion or depth to it in the way that like when Wardlow split from MJF. Yeah, because this was um, a... I don't know. They haven't been around... They haven't been established as long as MJF and Wardlow was. But I also so, think there's just a simple fact that Killswitch is a fucking giant guy in a mask. Yeah. You know? I, I think there's something about that that you're always going to have that barrier that you can't kind of deal with, unless at some point he takes the mask off, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, th this is enjoyable, and um, Copeland is now doing a starting from the bottom, work his way up, which I'm actually for, just because I think the one thing, the one issue I've had with like Copeland so far uh, since he joined AEW, um, and this is always kind of the case when someone joins another company, is like, I want to see them against all the guys that they've never faced before. And, yeah. like, all right, Gr Griff Garrison isn't quite who I was thinking of, but, look, we got to fucking no. start somewhere. <laughs> um, and, because up until this point, he'd, what, wrestled, I think he'd wrestled a six-man, and then it was Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. Yeah. And so, you know, hey, we had the eight-man this week, and there's a bunch of guys that he's never interacted with, which is really cool, and that's what I want to see. So I'm hoping that we get that at least for a little while now and just kind of get him in the ring with some guys that he's just, he's just never faced, because that's kind of, like... 
part of the charm of a run like this with someone like uh, uh, Edge um, and even guys like Danielson as well, you know, like, I, hey, cool, Danielson's in the company, now here's all these guys that weren't around when he was on the indies last, cool, let's do that. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of it for World's End, because I think that the rest of the card is fairly forgettable. Abaddon and um, Julia Hart did not have a good match. That, that crowd did that, not care. That did not need to be on pay-per-view. Like, I understand this whole, hey, women's wrestling, let's have, like, women wrestlers on the show. But there's so many right, better yeah. people. I was going to say, you can do that, but don't give me fucking Julia Hart versus Abaddon. Abaddon, they, Abaddon had been gone for months, then they brought them back, and won matches, but, like, it didn't make me interested in seeing a match between the two. Then they had the match, and it wasn't that good. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just think there's so many better people on the roster to go with, and uh, that wasn't a match I would have booked on pay-per-view. No. So. No, um, um, and you know it speaks to like the ongoing issue as well that these pay per views are just far too long, um, and I, I I could kind of and here's the thing right I could kind of understand it when they were doing four pay per views a year like all yeah. right you want to do your kind of fucking um, big egg style fucking all day show pay per view <laughs> sort of thing fine yeah. whatever if you're doing it every three months every quarter fine sure. Great. I, I um, think I could deal with the five-hour show, but here's the thing. For me, as someone who has to cover everything, <laughs> I have to start... And yeah, we, we the, are very much in a different boat in the way that we have to watch these shows, in the, fairness. This is all Pacific time. I have to start at 3.30 because now they've decided that the, the pre-show should be 90 minutes long, which, no, it shouldn't be. So they have that. Then the five-hour pay-per-view. And then it's the two... 90 minute two and a half hour whatever post show where a lot of it a lot of it is people just talking and not saying anything interesting some people are in character so there's nothing to go with there then it's tony khan going on and on and on and oh my god and on for hours what feels like about things that he just keeps saying everything's good everything's great I think great. I mean, it's almost ten hours. It's it's it's, it's, it's ten hours of coverage you're doing. And by the time I'm watching Tony Khan ramble on about everything, it's like I want to go to bed. (laughs) You know, it's already eleven, almost midnight. My time by the time he finishes, and it's like one o'clock by the time I finished editing my notes to put up on the website. It's like I don't need this every month. Yeah. WWE is the best because they're if they do a pre-show or a post-show with a press conference, it's maybe thirty minutes at most. It's what people answering one or two questions, then Triple H running down how everything's awesome. Which which for WWE it is because their business this year was really really good. So yeah, I I, I do not like the uh, ten hour block i have to dedicate to aew pay-per-views per month it's just way too much and you're asking way too many many people to spend all that time just watching a lot of stuff that like isn't and especially for that show world's end wasn't like a great all-timer of a pay-per-view it really wasn't it was among the the worst offerings that they've had even though there's some yeah. good wrestling Still, the, the, there's a high bar to meet with AEW and their pre- previous pay-per-views. 
And yep. this show wasn't even remotely close. Yeah, uh, and and again, like we definitely come from two different. Like you know, I I'm watching the show the next morning, and yeah. I'm not watching the pre-show or the scrum. And I can look online and say, "Huh, Julian versus Abaddon, not that great." Well, I guess I can skip that one then. You know, yeah. so I I think my output on my look on this show is very different to yours, just because of that very simple thing. Uh, but it's good. It's good to have two perspectives. You know, if we both agreed on all the same stuff, then there'd be no point doing this so i mean has there um, been a worse ew pay-per-view I mean, honestly, i'm not even saying it's like a really bad pay-per-view because there was some good stuff but like no this is one i, of I mean shows yeah maybe maybe like one of the pandemic shows may have felt maybe. like a bit weaker just because obviously because of the pandemic that's because there was a pandemic going on yeah yeah but certainly like post-pandemic no i i definitely think yeah. this would be the uh just because a there wasn't like an all-time great match on the show where like most AEW yeah. pay-per-views typically at least have one. like yeah because like even as your had a uh, hangman and swerve ex- exactly as bollocks as that main event was it had hangman and swerve so yeah. you know the I rest of that, that card main could event have been was trash. really good the angle was dumb but once they did the match the match was not that that bad it was actually pretty good i i didn't care for it mm. but anyway anyway um, but that should do us for AEW. Um, I'll quickly just bounce over to, to WWE slash NXT. Uh, they had the Deadline show. They brought back the Iron Survivor gimmick. I'm not as down on the Iron Survivor thing as a lot of people are. I, I, I don't it think good... it's like... I thought they were really good matches. Uh, the, the men's was better than the women's, but both were The women's good. one was terrible. All right? I'm, I'm not going to shoot the code. The women's one was fucking <laughs> I thought, terrible. I thought it... I don't think it was bad. I, I mean, the men's was much better, but uh, the women's, uh, you, you could tell a lot of it was choreographed, but, like, I didn't think it was terrible, especially with, like, Lash Legend. That was the best Lash Legends looked. We, but, are, uh, we are grading on a severe yeah, curve when you say that statement. Yeah, but uh, I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think it was because it. of the Iron Survivor stipulations. The Iron Survivor stipulations are fine. Mm. And they worked yeah. a much faster pace. And everyone got their stuff in. And the, for the men, that worked out really well. The women, I thought, did a okay job. I, I think what worked for the men's one is that there was, like, an actual kind of story to all five oh. of the wrestlers involved and on top of the fact that obviously the actual kind of performances were all like you know everyone played their part really well yeah. in this actually um and you know Bron Breaker comes in and he's just a, an absolute beast murdering everyone uh die jack at the start and the other guy the country guy who i can't remember because i don't josh watch briggs. nxt josh briggs i thought those two had a really solid start to begin with and i was like oh actually this briggs guy has kind of got something to him yeah, tyler bait who's and, and Tyler Bate, who, you know, thankfully has now finally come He's up to the main up. roster. It's been about seven five years. About too fucking late, but The other day, I, uh, somebody uploaded a clip of him and Pete Dunne from 2017. It's like he's the been Chicago there NXT long. show. Yes, yep. the Chicago yep. NXT show. It's yep. been it's, that long. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, right... He was as good as he's ever been in 2017, yeah, he, you know? <laughs> he was, at 19, he was incredible. It's like, yeah, yeah, he should go to developmental for like a year or two, but then that turned to seven. 
Yeah, and uh, whatever. I I don't have the energy to get into that. Um, and and then Trick Williams, I thought you know, just probably the best he's ever looked. He's... And I thought that the story around what he did with him was was really well crafted for that for that particular match. He's getting over big time, and he's going to be a big star. Um, when he when I was looking at the NXT roster, and I'm thinking of like, who has the best chance of all these people to like headline WrestleMania? <clears throat> and I think. He's not there yet, but like I think Trick Williams has a shot because he's really charismatic. He's a good promo. He's always been a good promo. Uh, he's still kind of green, but he's getting better. And I think over time he's going to be someone to really look look at. I mean, I know people are saying Braun Breaker, Carmelo, Carmelo Hayes, but like I think he has a shot at, at surpassing both of them. Yeah, I feel like the thing for Braun, and it's not just because of who his dad is, but I do feel like he would probably be good, better off for a year or two being in a tag team with someone who's kind of a similar size to him and just being like a kind of a monster tag team to sort of like buy, just to bypass that he's still ongoing weaknesses he has as a wrestler. Um, And again, he's like, he's super fucking young, so you can afford to do it. And he Um, was really good at a really small stage in his career the, the very beginning of his career and when, when yeah. he got called up to, to do TV for NXT he was he, I don't think he had any matches in I think maybe he had one or two matches and he was very good from day one yeah. and now it's been two three years and he's he's good uh, promos I, I, I think he's better as a heel than a face but Oh, for sure. Uh, for, for definitely better as a heel than a face. Not and that, that just goes it. for the Steiners as a general, to be yeah. honest. Like, they're better as heels. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're monstrous. They're terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah. a... I don't know about... I have people, a, people think he's going to be like a main event level guy. I don't know about that. Uh, you have to talk more to be a, a top level guy in WWE. Yeah. And, I have... Uh, um, I don't know. I, on on cage match like every day they show um, like here are all the matches like the highest rated matches from over the years on that particular day um, and on the 11th of uh, January 1994 there's a Bret Hart and Owen Hart versus Rick Stein and Scott Steiner match that I've never seen before so I think that's on like a best of Coliseum video it's uh, it's wrestling challenge TV taping okay. so yeah it might have been yeah so I've never seen that match I don't so think it was I'm, on wrestling I'm... challenge but it was on a tape yeah um, I think it was really I'm good for what I remember. Watch this afterwards. Yeah, um, I'm seeing some good ratings for it. Um, uh, from, think... from, a, from a timeline perspective, that's a very rare match because, like, yeah. you've never seen those. The, like, the Brett and Owen tag team did not last long. The Steiners did no, not last well, it's, long. No, it's January, WWE. so, yeah. So, like, that was a very, like, if you're going to do that match, that was the time to do it, and that was, thank God they did it. Holy a, shit, and they got twenty twenty five minutes as well. So yeah. 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 Let's fucking go. Yeah. I kinda of wanna go back and watch that. I, I I have it somewhere. I have to look for it. I'm sure it's available somewhere online to find. Yeah. Um Teams here would for sure want that. Oh yeah. Um the, the Baron Corbin uh Ilya Dragonov match uh was really interesting because it answered the question that I was curious about, which was um, could Baron Corbin drag Ilya Dragunov to a boring match? And the answer was yes, he could. Oh. Uh, so congratulations, Baron Corbin. I did not think um, it was bad. I mean, it was not the best I, Ilya I didn't think Dragunov it was bad. Match. 
I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was boring. Oh. Which maybe I mean, is the same if thing. If you compare it to other Dragonov matches, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, like I think that's... Bot- because... I think he had better matches with Trick Williams, actually. <laughs> Definitely with Carmelo oh, Hayes. The, I mean, the, the Carmelo Hayes matches the thing, were yeah. some of the best NXT matches of the year. I mean, you could probably make the argument that Dragunov was like the best wrestler in WWE last year. Um, and, I, I and think there's a strong case for that. Like, it's him, it's Gunther. Yeah. You know, so fucking... Um, I, I I just... I don't know. I, I don't know who to put the blame on. I mean, I put... I put the blame on Corbin because I think sort of he is a, uh, a, a a consistently boring wrestler uh, I don't really see him as he's never really been anything other than, than that um, yeah, so he's yeah. not bad but I he's has that boring thing where I can see him put on a chin lock and it's like ugh, yeah. like a sandwich or something <laughs> yeah and here's the thing I think that he has served a role um for a number of years of being not a top level bad guy but at least like a pin eater on the rung below which is totally fine and i i do think that and i've you know i've listened to kind of him in the past i think he is fully aware of like that is kind of where he's his role is and that's a totally fine role to have yeah and i think you know the the idea of like hey here's a fairly established guy let's bring him down and give him someone to to feed to dragonov logically yeah. and all of that totally on board of it totally makes sense but there is just the the issue and it's you know like we're gonna have next monday when Rollins beats mahal he's a <laughs> profoundly boring fucking wrestler um Jinder mahal, and... but like corman at least has <laughs> something Jinder mahal has been there for he's decades he's tall he looks great zero charisma yeah he can yeah. deliver lines he has zero charisma I do not. I was watching. There. I was watching the uh, the 2012 Royal Rumble today, and it was the, the first Rumble where Jinder Mahal comes out, and this was like when he first appeared on TV, yeah. and he had the um, the the like maroon turbine a turban. I, it has a different name because it has a different kind of culture to it. Yeah, and like the crowd is just fucking dead silent for him, and there's just like there's no reaction, and like hey, I'll tell you this right. I remember when he beat Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. I do. The crowd, the crowd, like responded to it. I think they they respond to it because they're like, "Why the hell is Jinder Mahal the WWE Champion?" I think that was the response. <laughs> they did. They did respond to it. Yeah. Yes. Um, man, twenty seventeen. What a time that was. Fucking hell. Oh my god, I can't forget that match because it's like I cannot believe they did that. Someone who, I mean, then, he can go out there and say lines and be fine saying lines. But the problem is, is that he's not charismatic at all. He's just a guy that exists. And he looks great. His work is okay. But, like, there's nothing interesting about Jinder Mahal. There just isn't. And I know there's people online, especially after this week, where they're like, Oh, don't hinder gender. Oh, Jinder Mahal is actually really great. It's like, have you watched one of his matches? Like, I have. I, uh, he's been there since like what two thousand nine. It's been uh, decades FCW, now. W probably oh nine ten around there somewhere. Yeah, and I know yeah, there's a I, there's a period where he was fired, but then it got rehired because look at him, he looks incredible. Yeah, but like, no, 
<laughs> Look, I just it, the Jinder Mahal is actually a really effective person to have because he lets you know who in the kind of wrestling punditry media space who to take seriously or not because when yeah. someone says hey Mahal is good you know I don't have to no. take that person seriously so please show me a Jinder Mahal match where he was good and not boring please uh, WLC that's the only one Let's see if Seth Rollins could get a good match out of him. Cause I don't well, know. he couldn't when he won the NXT belt from him. So, uh, actually, you know, well, that, in fairness, well, I've not watched that match. Ago. I haven't watched that match ago, in forever, actually. so um, I might go back and watch that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 just the the mini TLC match. That's the only good match he's ever been a part of. The the WLC. Hell yeah! That was actually a great match. That was a great match. I, Best I fucking like pre-show match they've ever had. I, I think so, yeah. Well, who was it? Hornswoggle and uh, El Torito? Um, El Torito, that's the one. I was for yeah. trying to remember what the hell his name was. Um, but yeah, yeah, with Los Matadores, the, the Puerto Rican Matadores. Primo and Epico, yeah, also in the 2012 Rumble, also came out to no reaction whatsoever. Um, yeah. Anyway, we are on a wild tangent here, so I'm going to bring it back kicking and screaming. Ring of Honor presents Final Battle. This was significantly uh, this, better than uh, World's End. This was a... I mean, look. The, actually, the one thing that is kind of consistent, at least at this point, isn't fucking AEW pay-per-views, but it's Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Yeah, now, in fairness, true. I only do about three a year. Um, but it's kind of crazy. Like, the way that these shows are put together um, in, in that they're, they're kind of not. <laughs> they're just... Hey, there it's three days before the pay-per-view. matches are announced on, like, the day before. It's, it's, you know what, like, Ring of Honor at this point kind of feels like a spiritual successor to PWEG, which does still exist technically, uh, uh, but it does yeah. just kind of feel like, here's just a bunch of wrestlers, here's a card. In fairness, you know, some of this actually does have a build, you know, as far as I was aware, Ethan Page and Tony Nese had been feuding on Ring of Honor Athe- television. And the, the main big storyline of uh, the last few months has been Athena and Billy Starks. Yes, but the the issue with that is the only people watching that are Athena yeah. and Billy Starks. Um, so yeah. that's kind of a problem. I, I have always heard good stuff about their feud, but yeah, the problem is nobody watches it because there's already too much stuff to watch. Yeah. It's way too much. To and watch. the simple fact as well is that, like, like you know, um, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know that, like, the prior pay-per-views had done significantly well, um, and actually in terms of attendance as well, like this was just shy of 2,000 people. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's kind of clear that the actual, like, visibility of the Ring of Honor product and the interest of the Ring of Honor product is is waning, and it's waning fast. Yeah. And I don't know what the fix for that is, because Ring of Honor, since Tony Khan has taken it over, has just had this issue of being, like, in flux, where it doesn't feel like its own thing. It continues to feel like AEW dark to some degree yeah uh but hey here's a pay-per-view every kind of three to four months which typically like knocks it out of the park but you're gonna get to the point that it doesn't matter how good the shows are because nothing else around the show like the pay-per-view matters yeah. it's gonna get to the point it's like they have you know, a tv right, show but the tv show is barely building towards anything because they announced most most of their matches like a week before at most and most of the people that appear on the show are like on AEW television. Like the big you know, match just... on this show was uh, the the Jay Briscoe tribute match, 
But Brian Danielson is hardly on the show. Samoa Joe, despite being champion forever, well, actually, I think he lost the title. But yeah, they did because they did the TV uh, the survival of the fittest match. But uh, yeah, I mean that you you have like these top wrestlers, FTR, and, and all these people wrestling on Final Battle, but they were hardly on TV before. So it's like you're telling me that the TV show isn't worth anything to watch. You know, it's and know, and on top of the, all of that as well. On top of all of that as well, right? Like, right, fair enough. Eddie Kingston's in the the Continental Classic. Yeah. But you're gonna have him on this show in a five minute match against yeah, Anthony they, Henry they that was built on that, that day. match, like on the pre show. And you know what? Like, for and this was a much better show than Rolls End. But I remember watching, and after they they did that Eddie Kingston match, and I'm watching this, and I'm like. Why are you wasting my time with this match? Can we just get to the main event? You, you know, it's like I do not believe that what's one of the workhorsemen I think he faced Anthony Green. I yep. think Anthony Henry. Henry, sorry, Anthony Henry. I don't think uh, he's going to win. So, like, why am I watching this? What, do I think Anthony Henry is going to beat the world champion? No. Now, sure enough, he did not. So it's like, why? Why? You're kind of wasting my time with this. Can we just get to the main event so this can be over? Yeah. Because I think uh, but I think I think the final battle was also five hours long. Uh looking at this card, that wouldn't surprise me. This is a this is a, a healthy card to yeah. say the least. Uh, but we had some really good stuff in here. Uh, El Hio defeated Vikingo, uh, defeated Black Taurus. Um, now Great I match. think their match on Rampage like a week later or so. I think that one was better than this. Um, I just because think I think so. that that match was smoother, like this one, both of them had, were great. They, they were great, but I do think that this one had that. Here's two guys who have a series of spots that they're going to do, come hell or high water, regardless of the execution. Yeah, and I think that the um, the match on Rampage was better just because those spots were hit more cleanly than they were in this match. But like in terms of you know what you'd expect from two luchadors and and Taurus continues to be just one of the best bases out there for yeah, um, the, the more high flying luchadors. You know just just in, incredible athleticism. Um, if you don't like your storytelling, sure you're gonna hate this match. But I don't know. It's it's still there's something still just kind of so visually impressive about these two and what they can do. Um, but yeah, I do think that the Rampage match is better just because it was just more cohesive in terms of the move-to-move actually landing, you know? Black Taurus is someone who's probably going to have a great year because he is no longer under TNA contract, and during his time in TNA, they didn't really even do much with him. Every time I heard about what he was doing, it was like he was in this group with Crazy Steve, and they didn't do anything with him. Yeah. Now he's gone, he's left from there, and now he's appearing on AEW and he's having great matches uh so i think it'll be a big year for him i I think he'll get a lot of opportunities in AEW. i think he'll get a lot of opportunities elsewhere he announced i think yesterday or today that he's gone from triple a too so a lot of things are open for him this year i think he's gonna yeah i mean the problem with him as it is with anyone else is like where do you fit in that AEW roster True. you know that that is, that they, is they the ha- issue they like to put on lucha type matches but the problem is they like to put them on rampage or ring of honor yes <laughs> that's a slightly diminished audience and you're not really yeah. showcasing it on dynamite 
Yeah, it does yeah, kind of feel like if you're appearing on Ring of Honor instead of Impact, that feels kind of more like a parallel transition more than anything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, more people watch Rampage, but, like, Rampage is also a show where people have been taught that it's not an important show. Yeah. Uh, as the aforementioned Ethan Page defeated Tony Nese in an I Quit match, and I really enjoyed this. As someone who went in was good. with with no, like... Uh, knowledge of the feud up until this point and two guys who let's be honest um, they're not like the highest commodities in no. the AEW uh, universe um, and but they had you a know, Nice Nice does sh- suffer from not having like the best personality he Ethan has Page little charisma he yeah and Ethan bad. Page Ethan Page is kind of a weird one because it's like he does have the ability on the microphone. He's yeah. tall. He's he's kind of put together well, but something's always just kind of felt missing. Like I have, I've always felt, and I, I'm sure most people would agree that his best work and he's most kind of like he's been the most over when he was uh, part of the, the North uh, with Josh yeah. Alexander in, in Impact. You know, or even with uh, the uh, Scorpio Sky. I was good with him too. But not not, not as so good as with with, the, with uh, Josh Alexander as the North yeah. and Impact. Yeah. So yeah, I mean he, yeah he he's good in a lot of areas, but there is something missing to where, yeah, it's like you can't like really go with him like at a really top level. So he's kind of like stuck in the middle, and now he he's with uh, Scorpio Sky again in in uh, ROH. So we'll see. We'll see. I guess. Yeah. Um, the Ring of Honor World Television title, which had been vacated by Samoa Joe, uh, was contested in the Survival of the Fittest 2023, which is a six-way elimination match, uh, which featured Brian Keith, Thornton Castle, Commander, Lee Johnson, Lee Moriarty, and the eventual winner, Kyle Fletcher. Um, I think, crucially, uh, when this eventually came down to Kyle Fletcher and Commander, um, these two just went balls to the wall for about ten minutes. That, that, that uh, was yeah. a great last ten minutes. Some one of the some of the best on the show. Um, that's saying a lot because there's a lot of really good stuff. Not the best match on the show, but that those last ten minutes were were excellent. Uh, Commander looked great. Kyle Fletcher looked great, and uh, Kyle Fletcher won. And he's the new television champion. And they're really going to go with him as a singles because I don't know what's going on with uh, Mark Davis. He's just out of the picture for right now. Um, yeah, well, he broke his wrist at yeah. uh, Wrestle Dreams, so um, he probably, at some point soon, would probably be, be ready to return. You'd think he'd um, be back sooner than later, but... Yeah, though, I mean, you say this and everything, but, like, what does the Ring of Honor World Television Championship really actually mean, yeah. you know, in 2024? It means you could go on Ring of Honor and just defend the title against uh, a lot of people, I guess. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. He's a part of that group with Don Callis, but, like, I don't know. He's not, like, the top featured guy on there. That's mostly Takeshita and uh, Hobbs. So, I don't know. I I don't think it's a bad spot to be in, but it's not, like, a top-tier spot. But he had a great match at Final Battle, and and, uh, Brian Keith looked good. Uh he won the. There was a four-way on the opener on on the pre-show, where he looked good, and now he's getting a lot of shots with uh, Impact. I know with uh, AEW, excuse me. 
and uh, he's gotten a lot of matches and we'll see what where he goes i think he i think he looks good mm. i like yeah. his work i i i, I like brian keith uh and he to honor, good in, Jay... the, in the survival match too absolutely yeah 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 uh, fight to honor Jay Briscoe six man tag team match Blackpool Combat Club uh, Danielson Castagnoli and Moxley uh, against the team of FTR Cash Wheeler Dax Harwood and Mark Briscoe um, this went a combined 28 minutes 29 minutes when you kind of take both matches into consideration because uh, it stopped about halfway through um, and 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 Mark Briscoe, in only a manner that he can, basically said, fuck this, we're starting this match again. Yeah, I uh, knew when they did that, I, I knew... There's no way they're going to end it like that. Yeah, They're, they're going to restart uh, and the this, match. This was just good, silly, fucking crazy fun, yeah. as you would expect when Moxley's involved in any kind of street fight. Yeah, this was really, really great. I think I think it was the best match on the show. Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Just a really great tribute to Jay Briscoe because um, FTR and the Briscoes had a great trilogy of matches the year before, and a cap- they've capped it off at Final Battle last year. So it makes sense to do like a tribute match this year. And Brian Danielson's great, uh, Claudio's great, Moxley's great. I mean, they just had you know the type of match that you would expect between Mark Briscoe and John Moxley and and all these people. And they just had a Completely balls to the wall kind of match where everything went and it was great. I really liked it. It was just it was madness that um, yes. it was madness that they would do this like within the Continental Classic, considering you know these guys were wrestling before <laughs> yeah. and after, and you know also keep in mind that Danielson was going to fucking Tokyo for the uh, Wrestle oh, yeah. Kingdom like two three weeks after. Um, so just complete madness for for this to occur, but it was good fun. Danielson really, really, uh, what's the phrase? He really uh, cheated, not getting really injured between the Continental Classic and this match and all the other stuff he did before finally going off to Tokyo because he had a really cursed year with a lot of bad injuries and that kept him out for a long time. Not not this I one because he came back like right after the I one, but he broke his arm and, and everything and got a concussion. I think in, in the two out of three falls match, he had a really cursed year and uh, you know based on how the rest of the year went, you would think that he'd get injured before finally getting to go to the Tokyo Dome, but he didn't. He went and he had a really great match, so that's 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 good. He looked great here. Um, and the main event, uh, so Athena defeated Billy Starks. Now, it's going to be weird when you look at, like, the pantheon of, uh, final battle main events over the years, uh, whether you have Loki against Kenta, um, you have, um, uh, the, the fight without honor between Kevin Steen and Generico, um, and then you're going to see Athena defeating Billy Starks. <laughs> and it's True. it's kind of kind of jarring, but uh, this was a hell of a match. Yeah, um, this Athena, was a really great match. Athena really like the unsung hero of 2023, uh, almost kind of carrying a whole company on her shoulders. The thing with Athena is, is if that she was featured in a more prominent position on AEW television, you could probably make a case for her for being women's MVP. 
The problem is, is that she's in Ring of Honor, and not a lot of people are watching Ring of Honor. As a result, she would not get a lot of votes. And also, Rhea Ripley had a really strong year, so I can't. I don't, know, I don't know, even then it's kind of like a toss-up, but, um, yeah, I mean, she's had a great year. She's had a lot of great matches. There's this feud with Billy Starks that is, like, the one Ring of Honor storyline I've been following, and it's always been really strong. People really connected with that storyline, and uh, they paid it off here. It was a really, really well-done match. This is, I, I've always thought highly of Billy Starks, especially well. I remember watching her in GCW and thinking she had something, and then she came here and she got over, and yeah, uh, she looked really good here. Athena is one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, and uh, I always thought highly of her, too, from the very beginning of her career in Texas. I thought once she left WWE, I thought you know not, she was really going to take off because the WWE machine is like whatever, uh, but... Um, yeah, they had a really good match here. It, it was really, really, and I thought I deserved to headline the show. So, so uh, good for them. Yeah, I um, I, I think most people going in would have just kind of been like, why, why, how, why would this be the one to main event the show? But you know, they the way that the match was put together, the way it was paced, the way it was just constructed, you know, it felt like the main event and. I do have issues with, like, the post-main event stuff. It kind of made it feel like, well, what the hell was the point of any of this? Um, you know, just to kind of reset everything back to um, Billy Starks being, like, a follower or, or minion, I guess, of Athena. Um, so I guess we'll see where we go from there. But, you know, like, uh, for Billy Starks to kind of put out this kind of performance, who's someone that I never really had much interest in... Um, um, but to, to put on a performance of this kind of level at her her yeah, she, level of experience I and think age, she, she's just turned eighteen or something. Well, yeah, like, that's uh, that is like, unbelievable. Like Nick, uh, Nick Wayne. Yeah, that is that is distressing, <laughs> distressingly young. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's Ring of Honor Final Battle. Um. I guess we'll probably talk about them again for Super Card of Honor. Um. During the WrestleMania season. All right, jumping over to Japan. Um, first things first. So the Road to Tokyo, uh, Road to Tokyo Dome tour. Um, of note, two matches that I want to bring up. Probably the best match that I saw in December. One of the two best matches. Um, there was a never open weight six man tag team title match um, that featured Okada Ishii and Tanahashi defeating the team of Great Okan, Hinari, and oh, Jeff I heard Cobb. About this. This thing just fuck it. There's think about like the never open weight six man tag team titles, and particularly this. No, no, but this is the thing. Like they've actually sneakily been involved in some of the best matches this year. Um, Three great wrestlers. uh, Well, I mean, yeah, when you've got Ishii, Okada, and Tanahashi involved, you're probably going to do all right. But like, I think if I was to think about like my top 10 or 20 matches of the year, there's probably about two or three of those because you had the um, the Umino-Moxley-Claudio six-man match. Oh, that from... was really good. Maybe that was Dominion? I can't remember I th- which card it was. Yeah, but... I think Dominion. But that was tremendous. The uh, the six-man with the motorcycle machine guns and Josh Alexander was uh, not as good, but still a very solid match. That was good. And then this fucking thing, just, man alive, like, 
Hanare somehow at the start of the year had probably the best match of the year, and then at the end of the year had one of the best matches of the year. And uh, they have something with him, but it's just I they don't know, and I don't know like what the right way to approach him yeah, there's is something because there. when he's on the when he's like cooking, man, that guy is so good. And and there's these six combined, um, yeah. Look. There's there's uh there's a magic to these six man belts that like AEW haven't really figured out with their six man belts or at least since they ended the whole um elite and death triangle saga, uh but this this is really worth checking out and then the next night um Callum Newman who is the sort of like understudy of Will Osprey um like the youngest member of the um, United Empire he took on Tomohiro Ishii and. One of the things that we talk about in wrestling sometimes is this idea of losing up. Where you lose to someone, but you actually, you're more over because of it. And just because of the way that the match is put together. And Ishii is one of those people that he just, he will give and give and give to another wrestler for the sake of making that person look good. Like yes. there is, there are a few wrestlers that are as giving. And, and funnily enough, actually Will Ospreay is, is one of them as well. Um... But Ishii, man alive, he did everything in his power to make Callum Newman look as... Because the thing is, you look at him, and, you know, he's 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 put together, um, but he's not, like, the most jacked guy. He's not the most... Charisma and star presence doesn't scream from him. But by the end of this match, you're like, I want this guy to be the fucking world champion. You know, it was just... It reminded it's me very, of... Um, it's very rare to have somebody that good that can make someone look that good. And and Ishii is about as good as he gets. That yeah. it reminds me, um, way back when there was uh, it was during the G one. Uh, I want to say it was like twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, and it was Tanahashi versus Ishii. And I had just like many people had just kind of started really properly getting into New Japan, yeah. and I remember that match in particular. And I knew you know Tanahashi was the ace. He was the 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 star, and Ishii was this kind of perennial underdog. But I remember by the end of that match, and in fairness, Ishii did win that match with a fucking Steiner screwdriver of all things. I remember but that. It was just, but it was just that kind of like, I, my God, I want this guy to win. I want this guy to be the world champion. And uh, just, yeah, I, I, you know, Ishii at the age of like 47, 48, uh, continues to just be He's still someone who is someone who is justified in being on the Wrestling Hall of Fame purely yes. on his wrestling alone and nothing else. I have voted for him every year just because of the work he's done over the last 12 years and, and how consistent he's been in being one of the best wrestlers in the world. And uh, I was glad that he finally got in this year because it's well-deserved. He's someone who is very rare in this industry. He's just being consistently awesome for that long. And, you know, given now that he's approaching 50 and he's still putting on these kind of matches... It's, it's really madness. It's, it's really incredible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about it the other day. Um, like, he has to be the, the greatest wrestler to have never won a heavyweight championship. Like, he has I to be. I think so. Um, He's up there. Like, you know, I, I think Roddy Piper is tremendous and everything, but I, I think that as a package, you know, maybe there is an argument for Piper. But I think just purely as a wrestler, I I, I there's I can't think of anyone. No, no. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's Piper. Piper was a brilliant promo, but like, 
he I don't think he like he's someone who can be like a world champion. I don't know why. I, I, maybe because he never did in his career, but like I, but it's Ishii. I could I could buy him being a world champion, if for for a few months, at, at yeah. least, not like a long term world champion. Because there's some more charismatic people on the roster than Ishii. But in terms of performance, there isn't a lot of people better than Ishii. So yeah, I, I, I could definitely buy him as a world champion. The issue with Piper as well was obviously he was around during the Hogan era. So yeah, the problem is that, that was Hogan it. was going to be champion. Yeah, and he was always the guy chasing after Hogan. So yeah. Um, and finally, the last thing I have to talk about this month, uh, right at the end of the year, um, I've got Kento Miyahara um, against Katsuhiko Nakajima for the Triple Crown title. And uh, this is, you know, one of the best feuds of the year, uh, bar none. Um, there is a, a a violence and a physicality to this feud um, that kind of you you get to that kind of like they know it's a, a work, right? They all know they both know this is fake, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Katsuhiko Nakajima, uh, probably one of the best troll wrestlers out there. Um, coming out in Inoki gear, coming out to uh, Bomaye. Yeah, yeah Bomaye. That's just fabulous fucking heel work. Like, yeah. Just and oh. doing this in all Japan, <laughs> the home of the giant Baba. Like, okay. here's the thing, right? There is a way that you can do storytelling without saying a single word, yeah. and this, this is it. Like, this is it to to perfection. Um, yeah, look. You know, these two uh, are, are magic every time they're in the ring, um, and this is absolutely, like, essential viewing. Um, you know, like, all, all Japan has sneakily become, like, the best promotion in Japan um, just because of, like, bringing Nakajima in and letting him just run rough shot and just be, like, the tremendous prick that he is. Um, and it, you know, continues to... You, you look at uh, Pro Wrestling Noah... Uh, and certainly with like the way things are with them at the moment, you're like, what are you guys doing? How how could you let this happen? How could you let Nakajima go? Um, but maybe it's one of those things that he had to go to all Japan to you know find this other part of him, which you know always has existed. He's always been a prick. Yeah. Um, but maybe in the kind of the the prism of another company where he feels like the invader, it kind of really lets him shine in that light. Um, and certainly coming out, you know, like in Inoki gear, um, and the Inoki theme probably helps with that as well. <laughs> yeah. But this, this is essential viewing. Um, yeah. yeah I, all, J- all Japan is saying I'm going to keep my eye on. I, you know, I, I've watched the big shows that I, that have occurred over the, the last couple of years. Um, I'm not watching every show they put to tape because, like, fa- in fairness, the undercards are a bit rough. They got some um, buzz but... earlier in 2023 because Yuji Nagata won the title. Yeah, yeah, but that's 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 a different kind of buzz. Yeah. Like, you know, like when Kojima won the GHC Championship. It's like, well, yeah. all right, fine. But, but you kind yeah. of expect that because Noah loves having the old guys on top because I guess they think that helps with business. Uh, I mean, it kind of was at the same time. It kind of was, because they're well. not going to go to the Tokyo Dome to, uh, anytime soon. No. I don't think. No, they're not. Uh, but yeah, that that's kind of me. I don't know if you have anything else for uh, the rest of December, anything else that I've missed that you've seen. Nope. 
Um, no, that's pretty much it. Kind of a quiet month. Ran Narita turned heel. Yeah, yeah, he did. Just what we needed. More fucking fuel to that house of torture fire. And I watched... Like, I know we're going to talk about next month. But uh, I'm looking at these cards for New Beginning. And it's like the house of torture are everywhere. People <laughs> seem to... Th- there are people who like this stuff. And to me, it's like it's the biggest turnoff. It's like I want seeing these cards. It's like... You're guaranteeing me that I'm going to see a bunch of bullshit on this card, on on this show, on this show. It's like, why? It's it's not my thing. I don't want to see lame stuff like that. If I want to see that, I can watch. Actually, not even Raw anymore because they've mostly gotten rid of that bullshit. And now yeah. I'm seeing it in New Japan. Now I'm seeing it in AW. And it's like, why do you think this is going to appeal to people? And I know people, ironically, online are saying, oh, House of Torture are great. I love seeing them. I'm like, okay, well, you can watch it. <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> I have a, I have so much other wrestling to, to focus on. I do not need to see Evil Challenge for the uh, whatever title. Never title. I think that's the have, match next month. Have they announced the Fantastic Mania tour? They have not. I no, think they have announced. I, I think they have announced the tour, but they have not announced the matches yet. I think that's okay coming this weekend. Because I can never remember when the Fantastic Mania tour is. It's whether it's like the end January. of January. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've I've really gotten into Fantastic Mania in the last couple of years. Like, and I think partially part of that is I've gotten a little bit more into CMLL uh, over the last like year or two. So it's, I'm, I'm CMLL I'm, has been pretty hot in the last year. Yeah. So I'm I'm buzzing for 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 that tour um, when that starts up, um, but yeah, I, I guess that will do us for the month of December 2023. Um, but before we roll out of here, first of all, uh, Brian, yes. who was your wrestler of December 2023? Oh, I'd have to look. I, I haven't really thought about. It. I th- I've, I know my match of the month. I don't know about wrestler of the month. Of, uh, I could go with Brian Danielson because most most of the matches that I liked this month involved Brian Danielson, like that ROH match and a lot of Continental Classic matches. His match with Eddie Kingston was great. I'll go with him. He's a easy vote to go to, but then again, you look at the resume he had this month, and it's it's awesome. So I'd go with him. Yeah, I I probably have to make you right on that one because I've got Danielson. I think I've got him like five times. Uh, so yeah, you're you're probably you're probably right on that. Yeah, yeah. and I think Danielson Danielson's a fair shout on that one. He, he, uh, he would be a good sorry. candidate for wrestler of the year if he had been around most of the year. That is the unfortunate thing, actually. Yeah. Looking at. I have a, a kind of collection, and no, I've got Danielson and Moxley both tied at sixteen matches. Um, so, well, Danielson's just slightly higher in terms of like my star ratings. So that oh. technically, Danielson is my my wrestler of the year. Um, just going purely by by I have ratings. to count it all, but like, I think if we're going to talk about wrestler of the year, I feel like it's Will Osprey. Or am I too out of it? No, look, Osprey, you know, he also had a very, very good year, as yeah. he does most years, you know? I, I just I'm, think, I'm like, curious. 
been consistently great through most of this year, and it's Will Ospreay, I think. I am curious about Osprey in 2024 because of the fact that he's going to probably be wrestling a slightly light, lighter schedule. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be appearing more as like a television wrestler. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious to see like what that transition is for him. And now he has obviously had television matches on on um, he's been on Dynamite. On Dynamite. Yeah. You know, like the the match with him and Dax Harwood. I remember in particular was it was a great singles match. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder if like that output of like just consistently four star and above matches, if that starts to whittle down a little bit. Um, that's that's kind of one of the big things I'm curious about in 2024. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, your match of the month for December. That would be the FTR and uh, uh, Mark Briscoe versus Combat, Blackpool Combat Club. That, that was that was my favorite match of the month. Just really great brawling just everywhere. Just really great story that they told. Really bloody. Just everything you would expect in a match with those six. Yeah, that that's 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 pretty fair. Um, for me, I, I think I will I will go with um, the the match I just mentioned there, like Kenta Mihara, Katsuhiko Nakajima. Uh, I would strongly suggest that you see that match, and yeah, I will help you to. seek that thing out if you need yes. to. <laughs> yes, uh, point it out to me. I'll, I'll yeah, watch. Yeah, I would I I would do that straight after this call. Uh, and finally, your promotion of the month. Uh, I would say AEW, and it's a little bit stronger this month because they have the Continental Classic, and that tournament ended up being really good. Uh, WWE, there was nothing going on. I didn't watch a lot of New Japan. Yeah. So they uh, they would be them. Yep, yep. I'd I'd be in agreement. Um, yeah, it's kind of not totally slim pickings, but at the same time, um. You know, it's just there's only one Ring of Honor show, and New Japan is fairly quiet before uh, Tokyo Dome. So, uh, yeah, AEW it is. Um, speaking of which, you mentioned there the kind of like rest of the year and and the end of the year stuff. Yeah. Um, yourself and Joel Pearl will be doing a, a best of or end of the year special, um, which people can look forward to within the next kind of week or two. Yes. Um, so, when that drops, uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, do you have think. any strong thoughts on the awards? Um, no. no? <laughs> like, I, I guess, you know, if I kind of spent a bit of time, I could have probably kind of, like, whittled down um, a couple of selections for you. But I, I guess, like, what's interesting for me, just personally, is, like, my interest in wrestling is still kind of fairly there. Yeah. But the thing I've noticed, and I was talking to my partner about this earlier today, because she was asking, she's like, hey, do you, do you still enjoy wrestling? And I was like, I do. But the one thing I've noticed is that um, that, and it, this could purely just be like an age thing, but my my desire to stay up till like five o'clock in the morning and watch a show on, on the, the American side, I just I just can't. There's, there's no, I think the last one I did... It might have been Danielson MJF match, but certainly since then, uh, you know, there, there's just no like North American card that I can be in any way fucked yeah. to stay up and watch. And again, partially it's just an age thing, but just that excitement there. There's no kind of matches that are put together that I'm just like I I need to stay up and, and watch this. I think, I think it could um, be a factor of two things. 
Like I think about ten years ago, two thousand or looking back at two thousand twelve and looking back now, the difference between two thousand twelve and now is that one. Uh, th- back then it was just WWE, and maybe Impact if you wanted to watch that. There wasn't a lot to watch, and now there's a bunch of things to watch every week. And two, the quality of matches is usually great every week, and as a result, wanting to stay up to watch a show is like, well, I always see great wrestling every week, so why should I stay up to watch this? I think it's that kind of mentality, too. We're just so used to seeing great wrestling. It's like, if you want to stay up to watch more great wrestling, it's like, I I don't need to. I'm good. But also, with you, it's it's like you're staying up to watch Raw as opposed to staying up to watch New Japan or something. But, like, as much as Raw has improved over the last year, it's still not, like, a show you need to go out of your way to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I I remember back in the day, like, my university days, I'd be watching Raw every week. And there's uh, just, in fairness, my my body clock and my hours were absolutely fucked at the time. Uh, But I've got a fairly healthy in bed by at least midnight and up at, like, half seven, eight in the morning. So, um... There ain't no amount of wrestling or good wrestling that's going to fuck up that schedule for me now. So, and I think probably the other big thing as well is just that um, because there's so much more wrestling, um, you know, where before, as you said, like it was just, you know, had you had the WWE pay-per-views and that was about it. But it does really feel, and I'm sure you know this more than anyone else, um, it does kind of feel like every other weekend there's, there's a big event, there there's a big much. pay-per-view and it's sometimes it's like two shows that are backed either side of each other. Saturday um, is going to be three shows going head to head with one another between New Japan and TNA and and AEW. You know that's just it's, it's just insane. It's, um, it's crazy. And so like I the the schedule that I've got now where you know I can, I can have wrestling on I'm I'm blessed to have three monitors so I can kind of stick like wrestling on one monitor while I'm making my game and whatnot. That's yeah. uh that is that is my schedule. That's what works for me, and um, you know it, it lets me kind of get more than one thing done at once. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's that's my 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 takes view in terms of <laughs> the end of the year stuff. So, yeah. I think we can all agree Booker T is the worst announcer. Oh, come on! <laughs> I'm come on. sorry, and you know no, what? No, Here, no. here's something I'll say nice about Booker T. If I had listened to Matt Stryker for most of the year, <laughs> Matt Stryker would probably be the worst announcer. Because holy yeah, I, do you know what? Actually, I didn't mind Matt Stryker in Lucha Underground. I actually thought he he kind of works. Uh, really, him and Vampire works really well. I just really have well bad memories of him in AAA, where he just was among the worst. Yeah, and it's Why like I would watch Booker. Him? I don't understand. What's that? Why do people keep like using him? This is what I don't understand. I don't know. Uh, I think his thing is that he's a former WWE guy. So they think, oh, we're going to have this former WWE guy do announcing. And the problem is is that he's not... There was a point very early in his career when he transitioned into being an announcer where he was actually like a breath of fresh air. The problem is he got really full of himself. And now he's by the end of his WWE run, he was really bad. And then he got cut, and then he did Impact for a long time, and he wasn't good. He did MLW for a long time, wasn't good. 
did AAA for a long time and it wasn't good. Like every other thing when you hear about Matt Stryker is not how bad he is or a bad line as uh, we heard a few uh, earlier this week with an ML- MLW, which nobody talks about, but uh, apparently they did because he had a bad line on there that I'm not going to get into, but just, yeah, he's, he's, he's not good. And so so uh, if I had watched MLW at any point in the last year, it would probably be him, actually, but Booker T, at least... Uh, at least once the show is over, you can like forget about what he says, because it wasn't anything memorable. He has like the same three catchphrases that he just spurts out over and over and over. But yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. That's my thoughts. And on, on, the that note, <laughs> on that note, on that note. Uh, yeah, we will sign off there for uh, December 2023. Uh, so thank you for anyone that has been listening through the year. Um, we very much look forward to, even though it might not sound like it, we are looking forward to continuing through 2024. Uh, January is going to be an insanely stacked month. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, you can look we forward to We already have a big show to talk about, and there's still a bunch more to go. It's not the Royal Rumble. Yeah, it's going to be a packed month when we talk about it next month. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so um, I want to say just a quick thank you to you, Brian, for continuing to uh, journey on this little adventure with me um, as we talk about wrestling every month. And uh, thank you to anyone that's been listening as well. It's very much appreciated. Um, but that will do it for now. Until next month, this has been The Grab Up. I've been Mark. He has been Brian. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>